Hey, and welcome back to Sets and Reps, the podcast. This is episode 44, part two. Big shout outs to you if you listened to part one. I hope you found some enjoyment and some inspiration from my honored guest, Lauren Irk's story. I know I did. It's certainly great to hear from someone who overcame so much, um, not just physically, but emotionally. And uh, having them on my show was just a, a super big uh, blessing for me. And I think it really just attests to the kind of guests that I love having on here and love talking to so that I can help you, the listener, become more confident in your goals and just keep you moving forward on the not so steadily inclined path to self-leadership because we know there will be peaks and valleys. This episode is going to be when we shift our conversation over to the more physical training side. And we talk a lot in this episode about muscle activation technique. And I had heard of this before. It's one of the methods, one of the modalities um, in the fitness industry that can be used uh, in a great capacity to help people with injuries and help people look at how well they are contracting their muscles and how uh, how symmetrical their joints are on both sides of the body. And it's a multi-tiered educational system that has been around for a long time. Lauren uh, was one of the individuals who worked with its founder, Greg Roscoff, and she talks about that. She has been proficient in it since 2002. And since then, she has watched it grow and improve while being a huge supporter and student of it for a long time. She has mentioned to me that it radically changed the way that she works with her clients and the way that she trains uh, every single day. It's a manual therapy that involves taking a look at joint symmetry, as I mentioned, in the human body and the ability of our muscles to contract. And it assesses range of motion passively on a table, for example, where uh, the patient or client is staying relaxed. And you're going to learn all about that. And also, we talk a lot about biomechanics. And I was uh, pleased to be able to have a conversation like this with Lauren since she has been in the field studying biomechanics for so long. It was really great to pick her brain. And what I did you know, if you follow my Instagram, Greg builds skills, I put a poll up recently. If you had any questions about biomechanics uh, for Lauren, you're going to learn what it is. And you're going to learn a lot about some, some concepts in biomechanics that are, are common. And there's a lot of things that people deal with. I could give you the short and sweet definition, but I'd rather just head on back and let you listen to part two of episode 44. Thank you very much dealing with injuries and stuff like that has, it seems like uh, muscle activation technique plays a big role in, in helping people at least uh, restore uh, a muscles like contractile ability to, to be able to help the overall system function better. So I was wondering if we could talk about that a little bit more. Um, yep. So I know earlier sure. you were mentioning that it involves um, palpating the origin and the insertion of the muscle, uh, which, which, as we know, a muscle starts somewhere and it ends somewhere else and it has a, it has a line of pull and it, and it has a certain job that it does, whether that's going out to the side, going out in front, going in both, uh, a combination of both. Um, and 
I, I really hadn't, I, I don't really know much about what muscle activation technique is other than what I see from your videos that you've been putting up and um, some of the resources on your website. Um, so I was wondering if you could explain a little bit to me about the, the what and the why uh, a little bit more for my understanding and for my listeners. Well. Absolutely. Um, I am one of many MATs that are out there in the world. Um, the creator of MAT, his name is Greg Roscoff. He's one of my mentors and he's out in Denver. That's where the corporate office is. Um, I've been with Greg since year 2002 and um, have watched MAT uh, grow and improve throughout the decades. I'm one of the oldest MATs out there as far as someone that's been with him, the one of the longest uh, out there. And I've, I've been a huge supporter and student of MAT for a very long time. And um, I'm very thankful for the knowledge and the skill set that it's given me. It's, it's completely changed how I teach yoga. It changes how I train clients and it is embedded. Some of the principles of MAT are very much embedded into my practice and how I work with individuals. Um, so muscle activation techniques is a manual therapy um, that allows, um, allows me to not only know what client what exercises to give clients but also to uncover where muscles specific muscles are underperforming on someone's body so a lot of times when i describe mat i describe it much like you would a mechanic so if you had a car and your car was driving let's say it was pulling to the left or there was something out of balance on your car you would not take your car to the mechanic get in your car with the mechanic and have the mechanic just drive down the road with it and know exactly what's wrong with it. The mechanic would put the car on a lift and they would analyze all the different aspects of the car. And that's kind of what MAT is. It's a way to really analyze at a very high level to find out exactly what muscles are working and what muscles are not. So you're like, well, why would a muscle not work? We know that muscles can lose their proprioceptive input due to stress and stress can be chemical. It can be um, physical. And it can also be emotional. It could also, they can lose their neurological input from trauma. Um, they can also from, from overuse, underuse, nu nutritional issues, dehydration and aging in general can cause uh, muscles to lose their ability to contract. We know that the brain has to be able to receive uh, input from the ingoing messages that we get from our uh, proprioceptive system to be able to adequately send messages out into our muscles to tell them when to contract, how much to contract, how long to contract, how explosive, how many motor units need to be recruited at one time. And when we've had stress trauma overuse, the brain, the central nervous system and spinal cord, the brain and spinal cord, they may make the decision that, you know, we don't want these muscles to contract fully because if they did, the system, the whole system itself would not be as, as functional. In the beginning, when muscles lose their proprioceptive input, um, it's a protective mechanism. And that may show up like, uh, like pain. It may show up like compensated motion. It may show up as swelling. Um, all those things are the, your body's solution to the current scenario. But when these things go on for a long period of time, let's say you go out and you sprain your ankle. And you come in and your ankle is sprained and your foot is swollen and you don't have the ability to put weight on your foot and you can't move your foot. That's the immediate solution because your, your joint has been pushed too far and the muscles have been put on a stretch. But let's just say that that ankle goes un, unresolved for, for months and years at a time. Now, because the muscle hasn't been recruited, 
you have a compounded problem of we have atrophy now. We have the muscle tissue is now smaller. We don't have as much ability to withstand external loads. And we know that with, with joints and one of the principles of MAT, if one joint has been disrupted or is dysfunctional, it's going to spread like cancer through the body and cause other joints to have to be you know, overuse, deal with doing their job plus the job of others. And they can themselves lose their ability to do their job. So one joint really does affect the other. So MAT is a way to evaluate the body head to toe to figure out exactly which muscles are underperforming. We do that through a range of motion assessment, which is what we do with all of our clients. Through that assessment, we look at joint mobility from left to right. And let's say that a joint is really not moving and a plane of motion is really not moving very well. Let's say that a person has lost internal rotation of their hip and they have a lot less on one side than the other. We look at things from the opposite side. I know like with, a, with some, with some uh, professions, they may look at tightness as the problem. They may say that, you know, you're tight, you need to stretch or mm -hmm. you can't internally rotate your hips. So we're going to massage the external rotators. Well, MAT is a little different. If we see that um, a motion is limited, we're thinking that again, that because of the stress trauma overuse, maybe these muscles are underperforming. So we will actually test those muscles that perform internal rotation one at a time to see if they can contract fully on demand. And when they can't, we use different techniques, such as what you mentioned, palpating origins and insertions or isometrics, where we actually help to uh, make that muscle more responsive to force. Mm. And with that, with that, the muscle is, is retested. <clears throat> And if the muscle is now testing stronger, we continue to move on to other muscles and try to test all around that joint axis. So at the end of the session, the goal is to, to retain somewhat joint symmetry from left to right. And then like I have with my business and other MATs may have that in their business as well. We do a lot of progressive strength training to where we use the information that we gain from an MAT session and we incorporate that into their personal training sessions so that we can now progressively strengthen those weak muscles so that over time, those weak muscles can take the stress off of overworking muscles to lead to better joint wear, uh, lowering the results of arthritis, improving athletic performance, decreasing pain, and also diminishing the, the aging population. We always see the sarcopenia thing coming in where we see muscle wasting or muscle mm -hmm. loss. MAT can be incredible as to slowing that down. So it's been invaluable to a lot of my clients and I pepper mm. it into all of my videos of things that I've learned and all of my education seminars that I give. The MAT has been a huge cornerstone of everything that I do. I love that. And I'm yeah. you know, thinking of a lot of my clients who I, I have a lot of my clients are in that um, above 40 range as well. And some of them have, yep. you know, arthritis, osteoporosis, um, and this seems like something that would be hugely beneficial to them. And it's a, it's a great concept too. Uh, I like the analogy of the mechanic and kind of, you know, putting you on the table and like, all right, let's, let's relax the body for a second. Let's see how yep. things move. Um, mm -hmm. you're talking about symmetry as well. Um, one side working as well as the other side, having balance, um, <clears throat> oddly enough, brings a lot of things back to where they should be. Um, yes. So that's, that's a great thing to add. And I know someone as proficient as yourself in this, the, the journey, as you mentioned, was really long. 
if someone wanted to embark on on the you know muscle activation technique journey and they wanted to get certified or they wanted to uh, be able to include it in their practice um, is there a way that they can go about it that doesn't necessarily take as long as it did uh, for you to be, become as, as proficient and powerful as you are in it now? Well, I, I think you're always learning. I don't know that I would call me powerful or anything, <laughs> but, I, <laughs> but I mean, I'm always learning the whole deal. I think that if you wanted to, yeah. to study MAT now, it's down, it's really tight. They've got it down to a science. I mean, I was with Greg through all the years of him developing what he has now. And mm. um, the, I have the full body RX certification, which is their highest level. But mine took many, many years because he would, you know, things have changed over the years. You know, I remember I was, I was in his first foot function course with RX and um, that was the one course where he was actually just rolling it out. And many things have changed since that course um, because of what he saw that he did, maybe he did wrong. And I was one of those people in that course where he saw the, the thing. So it's definitely been a hugely long journey, although I'm extremely thankful to have gone through all that because I got to experience why the whys and the, and the hows of how things got to where they are. But now I believe you can get through it in a much quicker, succinct amount of time. I know a lot of it has become a hybrid between online learning and in-person learning. So you don't have to keep traveling all the time to go do it. And, um, you know, I would just definitely uh, recommend contacting the corporate office. The website is muscleactivation.com and, and they should be able to help you decide at which level you, you want to go and, and how you get started from the jump start all the way through the master level into the RX. Um, but you know, they, it's a, it's a very, I would highly recommend the education. It, it'll help you in everything that you decide to do, whether that's working one-on-one -on -one with patients or teaching group classes or, um, just for your own benefit. It, it, it's very, very helpful. Are there any baseline prerequisites that an individual would need before they go in like some form, like, you know, high school education or like a, a personal training certification? I would think that would be a question more for them to answer than me. But if I, if I had to, if I had to say, I would guess that it might make a lot more sense if you have some background in education, just because it is a head, it's very heady, <laughs> you mm. know, it's a lot, it's a lot of information. You're learning a lot of high level anatomy and it's a specific skill set that requires continuous, um, continuous, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for practice. You have mm -hmm. to stay in it for the long time. You're going to put your hands on hundreds and hundreds of people to really get good at it. So mm -hmm. if you go, if you go in with some base knowledge, I think that you are going to get a lot more out of it. Um, but I'm, I'm sure they've had uh, cases where people that have just come out of high school, I'm sure they have, um, don't know how good they were with it or how long it took, but I'm sure that if you called them at the corporate office, they could give you some very detailed information about, you know, what they recommend, what they're doing now. I want to be, you know, cognizant and grateful of the time that we've had together here i love i've been loving sure. our conversation so far and i thought that it Thank would you. be cool to uh finish by picking your brain a little bit about biomechanics and you know okay bef before my audience kind of doubles over hearing that word um i i know <laughs> that this is hugely an important part of both of our avenues here um yep. and there's a lot of you know Basically, you can help. You can help explain it to me a little bit better. Basically, it's it it has to do with a lot with movement, human movement, how well we can move, 
and there's a lot of things or concepts that whether whether people spend their time in the gym whether people you know run whatever whatever kind of physical activity they get there are ideas or concepts that people sometimes whether they they don't know it well enough or something about it scares or confuses them and i was hoping uh, with our conversation we could clear some of those things up for them so um if, if you're okay with that could could you talk yep. to me a, a little bit about how how quick and dirty you would define biomechanics <laughs> quick and dirty i like that <laughs> um <laughs> that's good um yeah so there's biomechanics is a very specific field and i know you'd mentioned motion <clears throat> motion i would call that more kinesiology um, and, and definitely motions come in with biomechanics, but biomechanics, um, I've studied biomechanics for decades and, um, biomechanics is what I would confine. It would be the study of forces that are forces that are placed on or within, uh, living systems. And when you think about biomechanics, there's so many things that come into play. And I, and I think that for me, studying biomechanics has been one of the most beneficial things for my career. I know a lot of people, you'd mentioned MAT and also even with my yoga, yoga certifications, when we don't understand forces, it becomes really hard to understand exercise. If you think about it, a doctor prescribes medication to his clients. He might prescribe surgery. He might prescribe, uh, you know, whatever types of therapies that he, that, that deal with it. But everything that, that we do as a fitness professional, if you had to describe what we do, we prescribe forces on people. Mm. So <laughs> forces, forces are, are very, very important. And over the years, um, they have, have meant more to me than anything. I remember when I very first started doing yoga, the word Hatha yoga, which everybody throws around. If you look that up in an ancient text, Forceful yoga is, is, is the definition that is given to Hatha yoga from, mm. from, from centuries before. It is called forceful yoga. So what does that mean? A force has a specific point of application. A force has a specific magnitude. A force has a specific direction. Uh, forces must be placed strategically according to the structure at which they're being placed upon. And we know from the field of of a medicine, orthopedic medicine is completely built on the fact that if a force is misapplied over a period of time in a way that violates a structure that over time, that structure will diminish. It will, it will actually deteriorate. So I always use the example. This was something that uh, Mike Morris taught me once in, in resistible training. He said, if I took a bridge and I basically, uh, disrupted the, the support of the bridge somehow, or let's say that I clipped a cable on a bridge and one cable wasn't working. And I look at that bridge over a period of time when cars are driving across it, you can see that clipping that one cable over time is going to completely destroy the bridge. It's going it, to, the, the support system underneath the clipped cable is going to start having more force upon it, which may cause it to crumble over time. It's going to cause the cables around it to have to pull the bridge up harder and it's going to cause the entire bridge to have more stress at that one area that has to be compensated for. This is the exact same thing that happens in fitness. When we think about force and how we're applying force to the body, we typically have exercises that we love to do that we do all the time. And those forces over time can actually wear joint surfaces out. Mm. 
Mm. So let's say the guy that comes into the gym every day and he loves to do his bench press and that's his full focus. I'm going to lay on this bench and I'm going to bench as much as I can. Right. And over time, maybe we have, we haven't paid attention to the structure of our shoulder. We haven't paid attention to the tools that we're using. Maybe we're using a, we're doing a bench press in such a way that we're not dealing with the inertia of how quickly we're moving a weight from point A to point B. And that mm. our ability to move that weight at age 20 changes from the place that we are at age 50. Well, over time, you know, when that shoulder starts to get more and more arthritic, what ends up happening is, you know, maybe we rely more on the trunk and spine, or maybe we put a lot more stress on the opposite side. And so we start to notice a specific breakdown. So in the field of biomechanics, it really forces us to understand that every person has their own genetic blueprint. We have our own ability to move one person. The way that one person moves is potentially completely different than the way the other person moves. So we know that there's no one exercise that's going to work for every single person. So a, a true, uh, success, truly successful health practitioner is going to be one that actually observes their client, how they move, their specific goals, how they can progressively put load against this individual so that they can be involved in exercise for a lifetime instead of just, you know, oh, I just signed up for this boot camp and you just blow yourself out in two weeks. And then that lives with you for the rest of your life. So to me, that's what biomechanics is. It's just that study of forces and how to place them on someone. This is an interesting one. I remember earlier you were talking about having an extra bone in your foot. So one of the things I, yep. I talked about with this, we'll start with one that's a little, uh, could be a little bit more complex. I can imagine it would be hard for someone to know that they have an extra bone or something that's not supposed to be there. Hard for them to know or realize that it's an issue until it starts to come out during a training session or, or, or during an exercise that they try to do. Through your experience in helping others and then with yourself too, ha- having a muscular, muscular imbalance on one side versus having like an extra bone on one side. Mm-hmm. Um, do those present in a similar way with someone? Or is it, is it different when we're strictly talking about bones, would you say, <clears throat> if that question makes sense? Well, I think, I think I kind of understand what you're saying in terms of like when people have structural abnormalities from one side of their body to the other. Is that what you're kind of asking yeah, a yeah, little yeah, bit yeah. about? Okay. Yeah. So yeah, this happens all the time. Um, you know, we, we, we open up anatomy books and we study anatomy and we look at these pictures of, 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 <laughs> of bodies. And, and when somebody draws something, everything just looks perfect, right? We memorize, oh, this muscle attaches from here to here. Mm. And I can remember um, back when I was studying RTS and whatnot, we would go and we would study cadavers. And mm. uh, looking at cadavers and you start looking at, you know, the, the, the contact services of this person's knee compared to that person's knee, or wow, this person's muscle attaches way over here. And this person attaches here, or the distance from this bone to this bone is really different on this side of their body than it is on the other. And for me, like, that's just one of the things I, I mean, I've had, I broke my hip on one side. So that's changed the mechanics of one hip than mm-hmm. the other. I did that when I was in high school. And, um, you know, we, we all deal with structural differences. Mm-hmm. Um, in our bodies. And some of this is genetic. We're born with it. Like for me, I was born with an accessory navicular in one of my feet, um, which caused my posterior tibial tendon to attach on one of them and not on the other. And it caused me to overpronate on one foot, which throws off the forces at my knee, which throws off the forces at my hip, which changed the forces on the other side and changes how I walk all the way up into the occiput of my skull. It changes everything. Um, so those are things that are going to have to be adapted and they're going to mm-hmm. have to be dealt with. So for, 
and sometimes some of these structural abnormalities happen with overuse and injury. Let's say that somebody's had an ACL tear. Mm. And so, you know, back in the day, they used to take ACLs just out. I have a, I work with a, one of my colleagues. He has no ACL in his left knee. And so he's a big power lifter. And he got involved in MAT because if he had debilitating back pain that resulted from basically having his ACL removed when he was really young. So, you know, whenever we have these structural differences from one side to the other, it's going to affect our mechanics. And this really shows up when we're training, when we're, we're, we think that people have to move a specific way or that we expect the left and right mm-hmm. sides to always be the same. We have to allow for structural differences. We have to allow for our body not to be what's called perfect. I think it's very important for fitness professionals to learn. And this is one of the things that MAT really gave me. It's very important for for fitness professionals or health professionals to understand how to evaluate range of motion from one side of the body to the other when you're looking at a person. So, you know, so many times we go into the gym and we start picking up weights and we think that everything is going to move the same way every day, all the time, and mm. nothing's going to change. And that absolutely isn't the, isn't the case. You may notice that one side of your body, you know, you can't raise your arm up very far and the other one goes all the way up to the top. So when you exercise, you have to accommodate for those range of motion differences. And so if you do, if your structural capabilities change your ability to move from point A to point B, We want to make sure that our exercises have been set up in such a way that we are not pushed beyond our limits. So like for me with my foot, you know, my mother put me in ballet when I was in first grade. And when I was a ballerina, I had uh, my dance teacher put me, I was in toe, toe shoes. Mm -hmm. You know what that is when you're up on your point shoes Mm -hmm. when I was in the second grade. Well, because of the extra bone in my foot that I was born with, Mm -hmm. my feet don't go that way especially my right foot. I cannot point my foot. Uh, ballerina almost points their foot to where like curves underneath like a C shape so they can stack all their body weight on their toe. Well, for me, structurally, I can't go there. So all the years that I had in ballet and forcing my feet to go that way, you know, I've had plantar fasciitis and knee issues and hip fusion and everything <clears throat> from having been pushed into that sport at a young age. So we have to make sure that the activities that we, sh- that we choose and, and, the, and the, um, the training that we choose to participate in matches our joints capabilities, if that makes sense. Mm, um, absolutely. You know, so, so, so yeah, I think, I think we have to allow for, for everyone's structures to be a little bit different and, mm. and realize that we can't stretch bone sometimes, you know, you can't stretch bone. <laughs> so, so, you, you know, you, you've got to work within your body's, you know, barriers. Mm-hmm. And we have, we have abnormal barriers and we have normal barriers and those should be respected and not ignored when we exercise. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yeah. And then not, yeah. Tr- not trying to, another important thing there, I think is like what you said about, yeah, just like not, not having, not trying to make it be perfect, not have, not having that focus there because like literally this, this person is so much different from what you're going to see in the textbook. So you're going to have to accommodate there. And also, you know, as you age, you know, your body's going to change, mm. you know, you, you know, I, I think about like back when I used to do yoga in my twenties versus now my practice is completely different. I feel like I'm actually stronger now. I understand mm. my body more now than I did in my twenties, but 
my ability to to move is very different than it used to be. And that, I think some of that's normal. Yes, truly things do change as we age. And I I try to, all of my clients are like, oh, it's just old age. It's getting to me. And I have to be like, I have to sometimes like redirect them and just make sure like, hey, that's why you hired me. That's why you're in here. So we can, we can fight that. We can work around that because that's not right. It's, you're not just going to lie down and accept that you're going to continue to, even though things don't quite work as well as they used to, we're going to work with what we got and that's okay. Right. Absolutely. So I had, uh, I had a chance to put my uh, followers on Instagram to the test, had them get, uh, give a little couple questions uh, for me to give you here. One in particular that I feel like is important and really common um, talking, you know, since we, we talked a lot about joints and the movement of joints, joint clicking and, and joint popping whenever we exercise. And uh, this person was talking about how it specifically stopped them from going to the gym because of, uh, of clicking and popping. And I have it myself, you know, I, I experience things here and there from time to time. And then what I've always advised to people is like, if it doesn't hurt, if it doesn't, or if, if you don't get pain from it, and if that pain doesn't get worse, like, you know, don't worry about it, but, uh, you know, keep it on the back burner. And this person you know, expressed to me that that's what they were told not to worry about it, but still, they just didn't know. And still that scared them. Um, so during exercise, when we hear clicking in our joints, whether it's like an elbow, whether it's a shoulder, um, how much of that is really bad and, and what should we look for as far as like something that's concerning enough to make us go and, and, uh, and seek out more professional help. Well, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why joints crack and pop. Um, some, you know, we do store some gases in our joints and you've, you've heard people almost self-chiropract themselves, you know, and they're moving and they pop things, they pop their knuckles and whatnot. But the big thing we have to think about with joints, you know, some people have more mobility than others. Some people do pop more than others naturally by genetic genetics, but joints can wear down over time. And we think about the ends of our bones. And I've always said this to my clients, you know, we should not be so focused on you know, getting someone's heart rate up or whatever, we should be focused on the ends of the bones. That's the most important thing because I know with myself, you know, with my knee, when you can't um, you know, do long levels of cardio you know, because your joint bothers you, then you can't get your heart rate up anymore. So it's kind of like, what are, what are we prioritizing here in our field? But you know, when we have cracking and popping, it can be as a result of joint wear, cartilage wear. Um, so if you think about a muscular imbalance that's happened over a period of time, um, that will start to sort of wear away the cartilage is the equivalent of a soccer field versus a football field, you know, mm. football field, the wear patterns are all down the middle in a soccer field. You don't see that as much because they're running all over the place. Mm. So I agree with you, Greg. I think that if there's no pain involved, it's just that yet your joint is, is, is probably, experiencing some normal wear and tear that everyone has. Um, if there's, if there's something where you just had an injury and now you've got clicking and popping, yeah, you might want to go have that checked out. You might want to go to a professional and have them evaluate it. If there's pain involved with clicking and popping, that's another whole story. You know, mm. you might have a loose, loose body in there, or there may be some sort of a tendon issue that's going on. Mm. But to your point, um, you know, if it doesn't bother you, a lot of times people t say, just kind of ignore it. I will say one thing as an MAT, mm. many times people will come into my office and they've got cracking and popping in their shoulder. And then when I, you know, we're working on them and their muscles are now firing, which can be done, you know, through an isometric 
or, or just strengthening a muscle. Uh, when the muscles are stronger, when there's better overall uh, neuromuscular control about a joint and the more muscles are participating, a lot of times the popping lessens. Mm. Sometimes people, their joints pop more when they've got some muscles around the joint are working a lot and other muscles are under are not working as much. So if there's a muscular imbalance, I do believe that that popping is going to be worse. That's good. I think it will, it will help a lot of uh, people, I guess, understand a little bit more about what's going on and what, what could possibly be going on. Cause again, yeah. it's going to, it's going to situation situationally depend on that person's history and all that, but the facts are there as, as you know, you mentioned, you know, we do store gases in those areas. Muscles could yes. be weak. Muscles could be overactive. So there are definitely things, mm-hmm. a lot of things that people could work on in here. I loved picking your brain here. And I, I think there's a, uh, one or two more conversations in the future that we could have about this stuff, but, um, love to, yeah, for, for today here, Lauren, I want to, again, thank you so much, um, for coming out to sets and reps, sharing with me your story and what has brought you to this place now of, um, staying, staying hungry to just continue to, uh, work, work to help others with, with all of the, the gifts and the tools that you have. And, uh, helping me, you know, being a part of my journey here as sets and reps. Thank you so much, Lauren. Um, Absolutely, Greg. Really hope that you have a blessed rest of your day uh, with everything that that you have uh, going on here. Fantastic. Thanks for having me. Keep doing all your great stuff. Okay. Take care. Appreciate it. If you made it this far, I know that my show means something to you and that means something to me. Uh, I'm just so very grateful for you. I just think that you are one of the people that is going to be around for a while and I want to just make sure to continue this next year to make this show as grand as possible and as great of a listening experience as I can this segment is uh, the reps for results segment where I ask my guest before the conversation ends what their goals are for this year this 2022 that we're uh, entering now So you can take a listen as Lauren shares with me some of her goals for 2022. Continuing to do things like this, to connect with other fitness professionals like yourself and uh, to to help more people. That's always been a goal of mine. I also am very much uh, dedicated to my new fitness app, Fitness Integrated Science TV. And I'm Mm -hmm. looking forward to developing a lot more of that, being able to connect with people virtually instead of just being on person. That's been a whole body of knowledge that I've kind of jumped into that I'm really enjoying that I never thought that I would. So I'm, I'm looking forward to developing that, uh, developing my business. And um, I've got some other courses that I'm working on for myself. So mm. my goal is always to get better at what I do and to try to help more people and, and uh, you know, just improve my skills.